0: Welcome to this, the 8th out of 10 episodes in this series called Retrospective. In this episode, we talk about the fact that being an artist is a long game. It takes tenacity, and that's the word that keeps coming up. And so that's why I titled this episode Tenacity. In this episode, you'll hear conversations with my fellow graduates, in this order, Yoram Wahlberger, Alison Goldberg, Amanda Marchand, Barbara Bartos, Brett Gottschall, Lisea Lyons, Mira Hecht, Peter Wu, Ricardo Rivera, and Sonia Heinrichsen.
1: Yes, yes, I am. I'm making art and I'm doing something creative with my job, which is my day job. So both are in the creative field. It's nice to hear after 20 years, the people that stick it out. (laughs) Is it 20 years?
0: My God. Okay. Yeah, it's 20 years. Well, this past summer would have been 20 years. scary. I know. I know. I'm starting to feel old when I say shit like that. Are you still making art? No, I'm not. Okay. Would you care to elaborate on sort of maybe what happened uh, and uh, potentially even like a timeline? Like, was it immediately that you stopped or was it, did it happen over decades? So,
2: so I had, you know, aspirations of getting my work out into the world, the art world after graduate school. And I grew up in San Francisco so I knew that it wasn't a place that I wanted to be post-graduating um, because I didn't think that it was the hub of the art world. I just knew that it was, you know, not going to be a good place for that. I It was a good place to go to school and it grounded me because I came back after having lived in various countries and traveled and, Ultimately, going to graduate school there was a good thing, but I moved from San Francisco after graduating. Oh, okay. Let me back up. I got married. (laughs) I got married right after graduate school. Then I moved to Los Angeles with my husband at the time, who went to graduate school in Los Angeles for architecture. And I had one friend from college who had lived, who had moved there the year before, who was also pursuing, trying to be an artist and get into the gallery world. I spent 10 years there. I had a studio, I showed my work, not very successfully. I was in a lot of group shows. (laughs) And I, during that time, I cobbled together a lot of money making things that ultimately led me to teaching art to kids. I worked in the college setting. I worked in middle school. I worked For various museums, I worked for different, like, art centers, and then I I eventually landed a full-time teaching job at a progressive independent school, and I taught K through sixth grade. In the meantime, my marriage fell apart. Sorry. That's okay. And... I continued to try to make work and have a studio, but I wasn't able to, to get past mining a lot of interpersonal pain for the work, like for, to make work. I couldn't get past that. It was, so it felt like I was stuck emotionally and i eventually came to realize that making art had been a tool for me to explore a lot of things in my life interpersonally that could that ultimately i had dealt with and it didn't serve the same purpose anymore because i had moved past that and i couldn't figure out a way to continue to make work that was Nourishing for me emotionally, and it felt too much like drudging up pain. <laughs> and so, I it was a slow process, but I stopped making art, and then teaching art seemed kind of irrelevant, <laughs> um, because. I just, I felt like I was kind of faking being rah, rah, art is so amazing. And so I went back to school to become a teacher. And so I now currently teach fourth grade.
0: That is God's work.
2: Yes, it is. Yes, it is.
0: Not an easy task.
2: Yes. Yes. So then I, it was, it's been years. Like it's been a many year process of letting go of that identity. And before making that transition, I remarried. I had two children. I married someone who is in the art world and, So we can communicate. I understand what he does. And ultimately having children brought us to North Carolina for higher quality of life and less pressure to, you know, have a job right away and allowed me to figure out that that was my path. But there were lots of things in between that I tried along the way.
0: Okay. Hold on one second. Where in North Carolina are you?
2: We're in Winston Salem.
0: Okay, my family's in Wilmington.
2: Oh, nice, very yeah, nice. They,
0: we, we, I actually grew up in Washington D.C. area, and then my family retired, and then my brother followed my parents down to Wilmington, North Carolina. So, okay,
2: nice. Yeah. It's beautiful there. We were there this summer.
0: It is lovely. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Great place to retire.
2: Yes. Yes. Do you want to hear about the things that I tried in between?
0: Absolutely.
2: Okay. When I had my babies, I got very interested in natural childbirth and I became a doula and I thought about becoming a midwife, but because I have spent so much of my academic life in the arts, I did not have enough science credits. So it would have meant really like starting all over and I didn't have the stamina to do that, but I became a doula and that wasn't sustainable in North Carolina. A lots of people here have a lot of emotional support from their families. And so doulas are not in high demand. (laughs)
0: I, I know a doula in Wilmington, but she also does nursing as a uh-huh. full time job and yeah. does doula sort of on yeah. the side. I, I don't know any full time doulas that that's all their income. Yes. They always have another job. Yes. And they do it on the side.
2: Yes. I attempted a kind of another creative endeavor that sort of pulled me slightly into, you know, the art. Half again. I started taking sewing classes and I'd always been interested in sewing and I thought I could make a business making quilts. It's and very North
0: Carolina thing.
2: Yes. And I spent about 2 years doing that. Yeah.
0: I'm sure you have some lovely quilts around the house.
2: Yes, I do. I do. I and I and I have actually sold many of them, but it's not a sustainable endeavor.
0: (laughs) The amount of time and effort that goes into a good quality quilt, nobody could ever pay enough money for that.
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, I respect the craft Mm -hmm. for sure.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not a sustainable business though, for sure. No, no. Okay. So what other endeavor did you go down?
2: That's really it. I mean, I, we contemplate when we moved here, we kind of contemplated like Buying a lot of property, maybe having a farm. But that was really just more of a pipe dream. That was not anything that we took toward- steps towards
5: making happen. Yes, I'm still making art. I'm making more art than ever before. <laughs> I um, No, I have been plugging away at it for two decades. And uh, for a while, I had children in the mix that were young and really took up a lot of my time and had just moved to New York. So juggling all of that was, it was hard to do to balance that, but they're older now and they don't need me all the time. And I've been able to like immerse myself fully again. I'm full time weekends, nights, summers like all the time, working all the time. So it's really good.
0: Okay. Well, let's go back then. So after graduation, did you stay in san francisco What jobs did you do sort of like give like sort of a you know a resume of like sort of what you've done or accomplished for, between that time and today mm-hmm. obviously reasonably brief because I know you've been done a lot
5: what, so what have I done professionally so right after graduate school, I published a novel and I started working for <laughs> you, you, what yes then. Uh, with DC Books in Montreal. I started working with Jim Goldberg uh, as a studio assistant. I worked with him for a few years. And I was working with Anne Chamberlain also as an assistant researcher and her partner, Victor Zabella. I was also assisting him on some projects. And then I was in San Francisco for a few years and moved to New York City. Uh, continued to write grants for Jim Goldberg for a while. And then I tried my hat at doing children's portraiture when I had children and making books for families. That was sort of something I did. And also I was writing grants. I wrote a big grant for Magnum and some other nonprofits. And I started working with artists, which is what I'm doing now, being an artist consultant or coach or, you know, teaching capacity, uh, helping everyone with their professional side of it. Um, also the art but you know writing statements and grants and applications for residencies and you know the whole professional side that is a real job in and of itself as you will know yeah
6: until a few years ago yeah (laughs) Um, i'm trying what happened a few years ago Uh, a few years ago happened that i had a kid and just the world stopped i'm starting to pick up again as by, you know, applying to some residency to, to get some headspace really. Last, you know, recordable thing, I had a residency in Australia in 2016, went there with a one year and a half year old <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, Australia. It was a crazy experience. I've been working on this ongoing project that this person found really online and invited me to the residency. It was like completely out of the blue. So I have that on the, I have, I'm trying to work, but not in the like, I haven't touched anything in about three years. My connection to the artwork is running this residency at this point.
0: Well, actually, so let's go back a step. So like, to so start with graduating from MMFA program, what sort of career steps did you take? You said worked in some galleries, and then you went to do this, so sort of walk me through all that for the 20 years of your career.
6: I worked full-time in galleries, so that kind of took away a lot of my time for myself because I was, not very functional in the weekends. (laughs) I'm not the kind who wakes up before I can't do it. I just need to sleep. So I know it's possible. They say you should be able to do it after work or at 5 a.m., but I am not the person. So after about 2007, I went freelance. So I started doing just graphic design and being freelance allowed me to not have this go to the gallery thing. I um, was working from home. I had a, even a hybrid at the time. was doing two days in the gallery, re- the rest from home. And since I reduced, because wh- while I was working in galleries, I also hadn't had the, the job description. I was coming in as a designer, but I was running the whole thing you know, management, everything. So I had to be in person there. As soon as I went back and just said design period, then things opened up. At that point, I was able to start applying to residencies. And they were my solution to getting out because I would just say, I'm not here for a month. You know, I'm like, I'm just responding to emergencies. And, and I started rethinking, remaking work. I continued to apply here and there to some shows with work that I had, but um, I made very difficult work in for my masters and for the um, for the MFA show. I made this thing with bees, which I managed to show with live bees twice after the sh- the, the masters, but each time with the bees escaping in some way or another. So I said, "Okay, that's it." <laughs> for a while, I was trying to get into bio art and growing different things in my in my room. But in the end, the residencies were bringing me back to I've, I've done some uh, work in nature, like installations, also in residencies, and some work on paper. So I kept doing residencies here and there. And that's how I ended up by 2012 when I came to Italy for this residency in where I'm that I'm running now. I was doing residencies. That was my way of working, not having a studio, as I mentioned. And then I've done uh, two years of going back and forth, six months in San Francisco, six months in Italy, kept doing this back and forth but still running the residency from a distance. And then in 2014, I didn't go back to to the US.
7: So basically
6: the the, the residency kept me floating because they gave me at least a month of just a studio and a a month to think. When you work and you're like me, then you don't get up at five. (laughs) I guess that's the only solution. I don't know. I tried a little bit to, to to teach. I never got too far with the applications. I think last time we saw each other was at the CAA.
0: Yeah, that sounds right.
6: Just about as you were you were applying to that job that you, you'd got, I didn't. I was applying for a job in Italy. And you're jo- applying for this job in the Emirates.
8: Very slowly. Trickles. I do (sighs) well. Like, like,
0: give me, give me a little, like, story about it. So, like, after graduate school, did you were you still making it sort of robustly, and then did it sort of wane, and then has it come back and forth? Like, so, like, how has the progress of twenty years from you know since graduate school sort of how's the your studio practice and your production ebbed and flowed?
8: I'd say for the first probably at least ten years after you know my production was pretty steady you know i i I'd, I'd aim for you know between 10 and 15 new pieces a year which isn't a lot but enough to put a show together so and that was my that was my goal for myself and i you know i uh, you know i would chase down galleries a little bit you know enter shows you know try to uh you know, or send, even back when you were still sending slides, gosh, try to do a little bit of that. I know it's, you you can't even imagine that now, but I bet there's still some galleries that want to do that. Anyhow, yes, I, I would try to make enough work to have a show, whether it would be at a gallery or if I rented the space myself or got together with some other artists and we, we, uh, we got a space and did it. You know, I always had in my mind that I was, I was going to do it in whatever fashion and uh, shape that it was going to be. And I did it for at least 10, 10 years after I have a show every year. And luckily I met a lot of great friends along the way that, that were, that had their own businesses and they had space and they hosted, they would, they would, you know, give me the space for free and would and say, you know, let's do this every year. And, uh, and that got them going into, into supporting other artists too which was a great thing. But it seems as probably after I had my first kid and then a, a divorce two years after that, yeah, from my first wife, it was that that changed, uh, you know, my output as far as making art. Um, I didn't have a studio for a long time. And, you know, I, I I was, I still had, you know, I. I still made shows, uh, when I was like living <laughs> couch surfing with a, a couple of friends in the weird time, you know, when I was separated, uh, but kept, kept making work on my lap. You know, I'm, I'm working right here, literally on my lap. And I think that was when my, my pretty puddles were, were going the, the puddles, uh, and I love, I still love those pieces, but yeah those are the ones that I, that when I was out on the on the lamb or whatever you want to call it, living off the goodwill of other people but make still making art, you know and that's when also you know you realize you know this is what this is what you do, this is what you wanna do. you're still doing it, even during this you know crazy time uh, but it seems like after after all that and then getting remarried again. It took a while to reestablish my my flow, and and it's kind of gotten smaller, and and the flow has has uh, been squeezed every uh, every year. It seems uh, to get a little bit slower. But that also opened up opportunity, different opportunities for making art. You know, I you know somebody somebody wants a commission, whatever. So I now it's it's flipped for me. Like I do more commissions now than I do my own work. Oh, okay. Which is, you know, you're still doing stuff. The practice is, is still there, but you're, you know, why you're doing it is a different story. So I I actually make money <laughs> with commissions, you know, <laughs> whereas, uh, you know, that was, that's the other thing about, you know, is it worth it? Whatever. You know, I wasn't going, I wasn't going to get my master's or, or go to undergrad, uh, you know, formal education to make money. I wasn't ever thinking about making money. It was just about, you know, finding discipline and finding the people that could support my discipline in a social way.
9: Yes. Um,
8: That was not very confident.
9: You know, I've always had a hard time with this idea of a studio practice because I didn't come to grad school already having a studio practice. And speaking of like, what you thought grad school was gonna be about. I thought grad school was gonna be like, oh, I can try all these different things. It's gonna be fun. It's like, no, that's not what, I was like, I can take a sculpture class and like, oh, I tried. And that teacher just tore me up and it was crazy. And there was all this drama and I'm like, what the hell is this shit? (laughs) Like, I wanna explore and it was, that's not, you know, and even, Within our department, like I don't think I took one course with Linda Connor, whereas a lot of people were there, oh, you know, Linda Connor. It's like no disrespect for her, but like our personalities didn't quite match. So
0: Yeah, me too. Linda is the one that I, I actually entered MFA program as a photography major and Linda's the one that sort of drove me away into the new genre program.
9: Like Hank Wessel was great. I loved him. Love awesome. Hank.
0: Hank was great. Yeah. Those those down vests that he wore every single day.
9: So yeah, I think I thought grad school was going to be this more of this time of, uh, I don't know, I was going to learn other stuff besides photography and all that. And that's not what happened. So what am I doing now? I'm not doing as as much photography now. I would like to though. Oh, my point was studio practice. So I didn't come to grad school with this studio practice. Like my studio time was color printing, which I loved. So I thought, okay, am I gonna develop this studio practice in grad school? That didn't really happen either because again, like full time parent. And color printing I mean, granted a lot of the work I did was staged, but I also worked really quickly and I wasn't spending hours setting up a shot. So I shot at home a lot. Uh, My daughter was in my work and it was quick and you know, the printing was in the dark room. So even now, so we're talking 20 years later, I have my second bedroom set up as a studio and it's still hard for me to be like, Oh, I'm going to go spend a couple hours in there. It's like, what is your problem? Just do it. When I, taught myself how to do encaustic I definitely had to put in the time there because encaustic takes a lot of I don't know for me that was like such a poor choice because it's like you really can't control like let's pick a medium that is like almost impossible to you know fine-tune like that you have to let go of the control and just sort of go with it and
0: Wait, okay, hold on. You're not doing photography. You're now doing encaustic?
9: Oh, well, I am still doing photography, but I did spend a lot of time learning encaustic because it was something I wanted to learn. And I still want to paint, but I don't. it's like this fantasy thing here. Oh, I wish I was a painter. Do you? I
0: mean... We used to joke in undergrad, we used to say photographers were impatient artists. <laughs> so yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if I was more patient in my childhood, I probably would have been a painter or a sculptor or a printmaker or any other thing that takes longer than photography.
9: Right. I mean, there's some instant gratification there for sure. And I think, you know, not to sound cliche, but I mean, it's just such a stereotype and photography has just been like, now I feel like there's all these constraints and like your your work has to fit into this. uh, It has to be topical or political or address some issue of you know identity politics and all that and if and if it doesn't then it's not meaningful to the world and like and i really don't i that's hard for me
0: i have to admit i love hearing this from you because like this has been my position that i'm like why can't you just make like beautiful things that have a meaning but they don't necessarily have to be about gender identity or ethnicity or or any of these other sort of popular things that are going on in in culture because like sometimes things are just really you know impactful and that and that's all they have to be they don't have to be about ecology or or the climate change or any of these kinds of bigger grander things and it's nice to hear somebody else agree with that
9: good I appreciate the dialogue because, like, I I feel just find myself, like, getting more and more just shut down and, like, not wanting to even try anymore sometimes. It's like, okay.
0: I keep looking at, like, grants and residencies and all these opportunities, and they all say these are the ones that are pissing me off these days. You have to be about a topic. So like, like you're saying, like gender, ethnicity, climate change, nationalism, whatever the fuck it is. And then there's also the one where you have to be under 35 years old, which I'm just <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I couldn't do it when I was under 35. I was too busy then. Now I have the time to do these things, but now I'm not eligible for them.
9: Yeah. No, that's frustrating. I mean, I just turned 50, so really? weird.
0: So you're 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 just a smidge older. I'm forty-eight. Yeah, forty-eight now. You look great for fifty.
9: So yeah, I don't know what to sort of do with that in terms of making work. And I feel like it's one of those things where it's like you just have to keep doing it and you know, not worry so much about what everyone else thinks. But I feel like we were sort of trained in a sense to look at the end product like it was never for me just this like freedom of just make work whatever and because when you are with a gallery I mean the expectation is that you're going to have a show you know I'm expecting them to give me a show they're expecting me to do work I'm deadline driven I enjoy that deadline and that's how I get stuff done so but I think with like maybe learning in caustic or When I did this residency in Italy, I spent a lot of the time hiking, (laughs) which was awesome because, you know, there's no Italian Alps in Florida. And doing watercolors just as something to do, like it was just, it was definitely like a sense of freedom there. So I've been enjoying that, but... I still, I still wanna do photography. And I, I realized after I stopped, years after I stopped color printing, the dark room where I was printing in New York, they still have the uh, color processor. So I'm like, oh, you can't even get color film developed anywhere in the state of Florida. Like I have to send it to New York, so.
7: Yes, of course.
0: Have you been consistently making art the whole time?
7: Yes. I mean, I graduated and I stayed in San Francisco until 2005. We moved back to DC area because my family was here. But I rented a really wonderful studio on Third Street in San Francisco. So between 2001 and 2005, I had this amazing space and I painted there uh, for four or five years and I uh, got a gallery in D.C. Um, just because I came back here to see family and I, I met a woman who was interested in my work. And so when I moved back here, I had a gallery that I could you know, show the work in, which was really wonderful. Actually, I had my first show here in 2004, just before we moved back. And so really, there has been no lag time in, in my making art.
3: Yes, absolutely. I am making art after 20 years. I've been making art during the whole 20 years of uh, after grad school Uh, and trying to uh, find my voice within it, deal with a lot of the things that grad school imposed on me that I had to unlearn. And then, uh, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. I'm making work. Yeah. I am still producing art. Yes, I am. I don't know if it's good, but I'm still producing art too.
0: <laughs> uh, ha- are you a primarily like an academic and you sort of have a studio and you make, or are you exhibiting or you, do you have a gallery? Like, so like how much of like sort of your artistic practices and, and your, I, sh- I hate the term pra- ac- practice, your artistic endeavor. I'll go with endeavor. Your artistic endeavors. How much of that is sort of a primary, or, like is it more of a primary part or are you like, 75 percent teacher 25 percent artist like what's the sort of hierarchy
3: of it in your life i never thought of that art making for me is like uh drinking coffee you know sometimes i don't want to drink coffee sometimes i want tea in the morning so it's it's i don't get up and say oh i'm gonna make art it just happens because Uh, The studio is there. The work is there. It's all set up. I live by myself. So I really am able to kind of have this flow in my life where I'm not saying I have to go to the studio. When the need occurs and something that I'm thinking about in my sketchbook is significant enough for me to want to start to create, for example, drawings or moquettes of, of what I want to do. That's when it really starts going. Right now, I'm kind of in a lull. I just had an exhibition you know, in Santa Ana, and it was really, really a great experience, but it was during the pandemic, so not very many people saw it. Um, so for me, the experience of making, it's not just for me, it's for other people. You know, the audience, important for me I think in terms of what what's more important like well teaching is what gets me the funds necessary to and the stability in my life to be able to do whatever I want you know like um, I've've I've gotten to the point in teaching where I don't really have to prepare anything for my courses, because I've been doing it for so so long, you know, I could just show up and just do as little as possible, get paid, and just make art. But I enjoy teaching, and I feel also a need to contribute to my students' um, development. You know, so I'm constantly trying to figure out. Uh, also, not just I'm not constantly also just thinking about art, I'm constantly thinking about how am I gonna get this information to these students in the most exciting possible way so that I affect others. You know, like one of the main things for art is I want to affect others through art, but I'm so much more effective in the classroom every semester, it's possible that I come into contact with 200 students. 200 students, 200 people don't go to my exhibits. <laughs> you know, you have an opening there, like 10 people there. <laughs> I do know. Yes. Yes. The materials are decided by the idea or context or the experience I'm trying to create in the audience. Which is very different than this solitary placing yourself in the studio and sharing your own personal world viewpoint through your artwork. Rather than rather now I'm a participant in the world, and I don't I don't necessarily try to plan the idea or the concept. It usually just naturally comes, and then I say, Oh, that's it. So there's no uh, design or plan ahead of time. It's very, I'm still using the organic process that I've learned through drawing and through painting, but now I'm not using that material.
4: Yes. Yes. So yes, I am making art all the time. And (laughs) like my, I think my focus on what I'm making has probably shifted a little bit, several times, probably. So at some point, I I uh, started doing a lot of projects that had to do with uh, social engagement and that you know were participatory projects with communities. And around two thousand ten ish, I think was the first time when I did one of my uh, snow drawings projects, and that has become sort of a token project of mine. That. I've been doing in in many places, and uh, I haven't done it that much in the last couple or so years. Partly because of the pandemic, but also the year before, I didn't. Uh, I didn't do any. I did. I did do one actually. They are projects where I go to places that have a lot of snow, and I work with uh, arts organizations, sometimes environmental organizations all kinds of, sometimes libraries, sometimes it's just kind of a grassroots uh, group that, you know, works together. And I create uh, these big uh, uh, designs in snow surfaces with other people, with the community, uh, sometimes, you know, up to 60, 70 participants. And we walk these huge patterns into into the snow surface that I then photograph. And it's, it's a project that, yeah, that I kind of love doing. And there's another project that I've been doing actually in Iceland, and it's other places where I was uh, doing this uh, drawing, uh, large scale drawings um, that are also a community collaborative thing. So those kinds of projects have happened. Some other environmental, in- environmentally uh, focused projects that had to do with. Uh, foraging wild plants, um, some performance projects. But then also a few years ago, I got into ceramics. And that actually happened weirdly enough in context to a project that where I was foraging wild plants that you can eat, so edible plants and making foods out of them and videotaping myself doing that and then uh, doing Various events uh, with that uh, with that food, like sort of uh, dinner events, potluck events, and uh, then uh, I, you know, realized that since I was videotaping myself and since I was doing events where I invited people, well, the bowls or the plates, uh, whatever you were used, you know, to to do these works, uh, to do these uh, these dishes out of these wild plants. Um, made some kind of a statement in my work, right? So then uh, I realized that I needed to have my own or that I needed to to be more in control of what, how they are looking. And that's how I got into ceramics in the first place. And of course ceramics isn't something where you can just jump in and say, okay, I'm going to take a real class and then I'm going to be able to you know show a, a set of 50, bolts that somehow all fit together and are all the same you know so
0: though a lot of people seem to think you can do that
4: (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean that's kind of what i went in with you know i was like i just want to do this project that's mostly what i just want to do and i actually you know i started doing this and making these designs on the bolts that were actually that had to do with the um, topographics of the land like i i kind of it was kind of interesting but somehow the whole ceramics thing took off on its own and it, it became its own thing so i actually never really except for for a few well there were a few times when i actually used my own handmade ceramics um for like two actually one one really one, two projects i think i i did and then Somehow the whole ceramics thing just became really fascinating to me and it became this whole new branch of my artwork. And in the beginning, I, I didn't really know what to make of it. I couldn't really place it. I felt like, well, I'm wasting all my time doing this yet I couldn't stop doing it. And, uh, and I uh, felt like, you know, it was just a side thing. I wouldn't consider it a part of my artwork at all. And I still see it as like, something that is separate like I also have two websites uh, which both of them one of them my my main website uh, needs to be updated but my ceramics website I never really got going I'm really bad at social media I have to say that everything that has to do with that is really lagging behind but, uh, and I'm not a Facebook person either, but also there, I have set up two Facebook, uh, uh, not Facebook, uh, Instagram. I have t- set up two Instagram uh, accounts, one of them for my for my uh, more conceptual artwork uh, and the other one for the ceramics, which is mostly functional. So uh, in the meantime, I sometimes also use ceramics as a material for the more conceptual projects. So uh, there is a, a link now. I still kind of try to keep these separate because they are really not very related. The functional ceramics is just really its own thing. It's it's just a very different approach to the arts because it's functional because it's everyday ware that you are creating that people use for drinking their tea out of for their. Coffee, or you know, eating their salad, or
0: whatever it is. Well, I've I've noticed a lot of us, and a lot of people that are sort of of our age. So it's not even just from San Francisco, but a lot of people sort of at our age range uh, seem to be transitioning. Like so, a lot of people start off as whatever, and then move into something else. Like I know a lot of painters who are now sculptors, and sculptors who are now painters. Like. I was a photographer I'm probably a bit more of a painter at this point so like it's very interesting how there seems to be a almost like a, as you you mature in your work that you somehow transition to some other thing or, or or bring some new thing into your some new medium into your work kind of idea.
4: Yeah, I think that's probably true, and that is very true for me. And it's probably happened several times. I mean, when I was, uh, you know, at SFAI, it was mostly video and video installations, and I did that for a while. And uh, it might still happen, but uh, you know, the the whole community based work uh, just came all of a sudden too, and 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 then um, and then the ceramics came along, and sometimes. I'm never gonna say never again. You know, I mean, had you asked me, I I think I started taking the first ceramics class in 2014. Had you asked me just a year prior to that if I would ever consider doing something with clay, I would have said no way. I am not interested in that. That is, you know, tacky. It's too, you know, it's not. I don't want to do that. It's not something I would consider. Um, and then and then I did so it's it's interesting how this happens so I'm not you know I'm not ever going to say never to anything anymore so I think the things that I'm most interested actually now are really that and uh, probably also my community work I want to continue that and probably also photography I have done some photo projects recently or in, within the past few years so that's probably what's uh what's happening right now or what has, uh, sort of, uh, become the focus, uh, and will that change again? I'm. It could. <laughs> so, and I think it, it's actually, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing in terms of, you know, I, I don't have a gallery that presents represents me for instance, because I think I'm just too much of a chameleon for them, you know, uh, they kind of like to uh, put artists in some sort of category uh, where they can rely on that this artist is always going to produce this kind of work. And uh, I think uh, I'm just not that kind of person. And I'm just, um, you know, I mean, it's definitely crossed my mind that I, you know, maybe life would be much easier and not so, so difficult um, as an artist to, to, to get by, if I were one, a better marketing person myself, and two, if I had somebody support me in terms of, you know, a gallerist or something like that. But somehow I can't do it. I'm sorry, I, I'm just not that person. It doesn't work for me. I just, I don't know. I'm just too, too all over the place, and I can't change that. It's just the way I am. I, I'm, I, I, I'm also. I, I'm kind of not willing to say, okay, let's only do this one thing from now on um, and, and kind of constrain myself in that way. I, I don't think I, I would want to do that.
1: What are you making these days in your studio? Right now, I'm not actually... I have a few projects that I stopped when I moved there. It's been a year because the studio and the house needs a lot of work. So most of the time I'm working on the house just to get this ready to be able to start working. I understand. But there are some projects that I've been, I'm working on, you know, preparing, like, you know, the digitally preparing files and, and concepts and other projects. I have like a maquette standing there. and i just going to get to it because there's construction material on the way. So actually this weekend, I'm going to go there and start clearing my studio. And I found a storage place I can move stuff to so I can get in. So I feel like now, after a year and some and more, I'm finally going to focus on the art again. I was distracted, but I enjoyed it. Don't, 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 uh, hear me wrong. I'm, I enjoy this new construction. I'm a contractor now, I do carpentry and pipe and water and electricity and i enjoyed learning all that so my art was a little bit on delay
0: yeah but you're building yourself a a space like yes which is really that's
1: important to to build a a
0: space that you're comfortable in to be able to make your art so i get it
1: absolutely and especially i think specifically for people who do three-dimensional work like sculpting I mean, I envy video artists or even photographers. No, photographer maybe you need a big studio. But video artists, digital artists, or painters, they just come with a canvas and put it on the wall. No, I need, like, you know how much tools I have? I cannot even find place for them. And, like, is this long piece of thing going to... It's all physical. It's all schlepping all the time and moving, and it's physical stuff. And, And you have to bring it with you. You cannot... Just go and jam with someone in their studio. If you're working on a big sculpture, sculpture, you know. So, yeah, that's our world. I think uh, studio is important for everyone. But I feel like I need actual tools to get my hands on. I cannot just work on the computer and on my laptop. So space is really important. Oh yeah, I've been having that problem for the I got to Prague like 2 years ago. It took me
0: 2 years just to buy all, even all the woodworking equipment that I, I needed to just be able to construct the things that I wanted to work on. Like even though I'm exactly. I still take I'm still a photographer, but I then want to put the photo put them down onto a piece of wood to be able to then do things with them and just to have the right tools to be able to do the right job to make it so I could do that thing. It took me a couple of years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's where I am. So hopefully this weekend. Yeah. But I finally
0: got them just recently, so I'm very happy.
1: Is that a good feeling?
0: <laughs> it is. It's so nice to be able to have the right tools for the right job. I mean, they're not, don't get me wrong, they're not like super expensive and big and monsters and all that, but like the right tool
1: for the right job. That's it. Oh my God. This is like one thing. I know when the tool is not right and I'm I, the frustration that I get, it's like, Should have gotten this thing because I know when if I had that tool, it would be so easy and also good. the, The results, yes, tools is the key, the right tool.
0: To wrap this up, I'd like to thank you for listening all the way to the end of the conversation. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, studio mates or anybody with an interest in arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014 The audio was edited by KUSH Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway, in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners, Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunstcentrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.